thank you. Thank you for the round of applause. You haven't heard me speak yet, but thanks. <laughs> okay. So, good morning. Um, if you're new today, I really want to welcome you because I was new last February. And this, these people in this room and people who aren't here on holiday and various things are so, so welcoming and they are going to love you. And so if you're nervous about talking to people, just push yourself out of your comfort zone and have a conversation. And there's free drinks and snacks for you, so like you've got no excuse. Um, we're continuing our series today on stress to freedom, but I'm going to pray first. So, Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've already done in the house this morning, and I just pray that I can be the vessel that you've called me to be. Lord, just speak through me, and I pray that for every ear that's listening, that their hearts are ready to hear what you're going to say. Amen. Okay. So yeah, I would really encourage you to catch up on the podcast. So there have been some amazing preachers already, so make sure you do that. So when I was thinking about stress, I was thinking it's not just a one-time event. You don't just have that one little portion of stress in your life and then you move on. You're like, oh, it's done with, tick the box, done. It's not like that at all. There are so many things in our lives that can cause us stress. So it's just been exam season, so I know people are like, kids, that's not fair to them. <laughs> the, like, the kids on the worship team have all been doing their GCSEs and stuff like that, and you might be going through your exams at university. It could be a job that's causing you stress. You might be trying to get a promotion, or you might be just trying to find a job. I know how hard it is to be un- unemployed and get knocked back. Um, the third one I'm going to talk about is health. People's health can change in, in like the blink of an eye, and that can obviously cause us stress. There's relationships as well, so it might be relationship with your spouse or your partner, it might be somebody like your parents or your kids. Um, And then finance is obviously another big one. But also there's comparison. You could be looking at other people's lives and thinking that you should have what they have or that they're further along than you. Like, oh, they've just bought a house and I've not. They've just done this and I've not. And maybe as I've listed these things, I've hit the nail on the head and you can feel that panic and the worry rising in your chest. So I want you to take a second to just breathe with me. Posh, because I'm nervous. (laughs) um, So I just want you to take a big, deep breath of like, this stress is going to go. So in and out. Because you made a great choice to be here today. Because where the spirit of the Lord, I can't even speak. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Like he's here. And you you can walk away in freedom today. So because stress isn't a one-time event, we need to learn how to cope with it and to remain in the freedom that Christ died for us to have. So today I'm going to talk about some of the tools that we can use to move from stress to freedom. So I'm not going to profess to know them all, um, mainly because I'm 26, I live with my parents, I don't have a mortgage, a husband, or kids. So, (laughs) and now I've said that, you're probably thinking, what on earth can she teach me (laughs) about stress? So thankfully, and hopefully, you aren't here today to hear me speak. You're here today to hear God speak, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what he's done in my life. Um, So in 2015, I moved to Cornwall to start a master's degree. I just had an amazing three years in Lincoln. Um, That's where I found my faith, and then I made incredible friends, and I, by the grace of God, came out with the first class degree. So, and I completely believed that God was sending me to Cornwall, so... 
I applied for the master's, I got an offer after three days, and I was like, okay, me being me, I was like, Lord, if you really want me to go, like, can I have another sign? Um, so I was praying about finances, and then the finances I needed to go in terms of paying for my course and to be able to live just came out of nowhere. So I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I managed to find a house with Christian students as well. So all these things, were, like, everything was falling into place. I was excited, and I was pursuing my dream of working in wildlife conservation. So I arrived, my housemates were great. I found a really like, amazing little church, and my course was really, really interesting. But then I started to struggle. I was completely overfaced by a blank page, and I just began to procrastinate, just completely put my work aside, not do it. And then the stress mounted so much that one day I had a panic attack of trying to write an assignment. I just felt like I'd hit a brick wall, and I just couldn't write at all. My ideas and my reading were all there, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind onto a page. Um, so just to give you some context, I was that kid that learned to read at the age of two. So I, I was reading the stories in nursery to the kids. Um, I think I was really annoying, and my parents were just like, have a book, there you go, <laughs> like, off it, on your way. Um, so I'd always been relatively academic and done well at school, but don't get me wrong, I'd worked hard. But in that, I'd always found my confidence in my academic ability. Yet here I was, having a panic attack about an assignment. And not even that, I had to tell my tutor that I couldn't do my presentation. And it was, he wasn't just my tutor, he was the head of the course that I was doing, and he was the head of the whole school of conservation that I had to go, I can't do my work to. So I felt like a failure, that I didn't deserve to be doing my masters. I was looking around at everyone else and thinking they're so much smarter than me, they've got more experience than me. And literally weeks ago, I'd just been given my like, certificate for my degree, and yet here I was, I just, I just couldn't do it. And in the midst of all that, I felt like God had completely disappeared. So I couldn't hear him, I couldn't worship, worship, like, worship music just made me angry. Like, I was like, he's just completely gone. Um, and I just gave up on prayer. I was like, I'm done. Um, to me, he'd just gone, and I felt so, so alone. So I was given a break from my course and I came home. And here at home, all of that self-doubt spiraled into depression. I was in bed, I wasn't eating, I had no self-care, I wasn't showering. I wouldn't eat unless somebody gave me the food, I wouldn't make, make myself a drink, nothing. I had no care for myself at all. And I didn't see the point anymore. I'd had a dream that I'd had all of my life, and in my mind I'd failed, so what now? I'd had thoughts of hurting myself, of ending it all, because I didn't see the point of going on anymore. I didn't care about myself, my family, or my friends. But the one thing that kept me from doing it was Jesus. But Jesus. I knew I couldn't end my life because I believed in Jesus. And he's, he's literally like the sole reason that I'm here. I can, I can hands down say that's the only reason I'm stood in front of you today. Because of him. That's not like... And at the time, I couldn't hear God's voice for myself because the volume of the enemy's lies was so much louder than the truth of what God was saying I am and who I am. And I couldn't pray, I couldn't worship, and I hadn't touched my Bible in months. I just couldn't, I didn't even know where it was. But I reached out to women of faith. Every single day, 
I would call my friend from university or her mum. So when I was there, this friend is originally from Lincoln. She stayed there. She was still living at home whilst we were at uni. And um, her mum just took all those girls in. She was like a Lincoln mum. She would feed us, like Sunday roast, everything. So I knew these were the women who I could go to. So I would call them every day, and they would encourage me. They would pray for me over the phone. They would speak scripture over me and send me worship songs. They lived out the love of Jesus towards me, and they reminded me of who I was and what God had already done for me. So I want you to know today, whatever stress you're facing, you really aren't alone. Like, no matter what the enemy says, no matter what your brain says about you're alone, you really aren't. Um, and God hasn't left you. Like, he hadn't left me. He was right next to me. And the main thing I want to say is church is a safe place. I used to go to church in Lincoln at university and just break down constantly. I, like, always used to wear my waterproof mascara because I knew I would cry. Um, so church is family, and it's where you can come and break down and be vulnerable. And we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, which is Romans 12, verse 15. So I want to say, if you're struggling today, find someone who you feel safe with and share that struggle and that stress, and people will walk with you through whatever you're facing, because that's what Hannah and Dawn did for me. When I couldn't see Jesus for myself or open my Bible, they were the Bible in front of me, and they demonstrated Jesus' love to me, signposting me back to him. So just know that you're completely not alone. So how did I get from that place of stress and despair to walk in, in the freedom that you see now? So it was a gradual process. I began to be able to pray again, to listen to worship music, and to know that God had really been with me through it all. But the discovery that changed everything for me was about my identity. I realized in all that time that so much of my identity had been wrapped up in academic achievement, and in leaving my masters, that had all been stripped away. I hit rock bottom, and at the bottom, the only thing that was left was Jesus. And in reality, he was all that I needed. And that's what my identity is based upon now. The foundation of everything that I stand on is the fact that I'm a child of God. And like the fact that we've just been singing that song. Um, and I stand on the immovable rock that is Jesus Christ. That's where my, like, the rest of my life is built upon. So, like I said earlier, I'm 26, I don't have a house, I'm not married, all those kind of things. Like, those things could come and go, but the, the thing that's eternal is the fact that I'm a child of God. So that's what I cling to. So the question that God put on my heart to ask us today is, do you realize who you are? So in stressful times, we can often act like we're powerless, timid, fearful, woe is me even. But God is saying, you are warriors. You are more than conquerors in Christ. And do you realize who you are and who is behind you? And do you know that you're a child of God? Step into your sonship or daughtership. Grab hold of the inheritance that he's given you. We know attacks will come, but we know that Jesus has already won the victory and we just have to stand firm. So do you know who you are? Do you know you are powerful because the Holy Spirit lives within you? So 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So you might be sat here thinking, yes, I've heard this all before, of course I know. But do you actually know? 
Like, does that knowledge permeate into every area of your life? Does it impact how you deal with stress, how you act, or how you speak? Because when you truly know who you are and whose you are, you walk differently. Has that head knowledge that God loves you and you are his child dropped into your heart? Because I remember the moment it did for me, and I've never, I've never been the same. So last February, March time, I went to a conference in Manchester, and um, I'd spent three years in Lincoln. I found my faith literally the second Sunday of being at university. So I had three years in that church, and I'd been serving on student ministry, and I'd been baptized, and all this kind of stuff. So I knew, I knew God's love for me, but it hadn't dropped yet. It was all here. Like it was all knowledge. It, I wasn't feeling, I hadn't felt it in my heart. And I remember being just stood in the worship and I just felt it drop. And I, I don't have words. I just don't have words. I remember just feeling completely overwhelmed and just standing there and being like, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. I don't know how to process this, but now I get it. Um, and in that moment, it completely set me free. It set me free from fear from other people's opinions, from society's expectation, from all the lies the enemy had whispered in my ear. Because in that moment, I knew who I was. And he was saying, you are my daughter, and I am well pleased. And he's saying that over you now. And if you've not had that moment, like, I so want you to have that moment, because... It does, it changes everything. And, and I remember, so the conference was Thursday to Saturday. And the Sunday I walked into church. I think I'd been in this church about three, four weeks. And Vicky turned to me and she went, you're all in now, aren't you? And I was like, yep. There was a vision, like she could see it on me, something. And so that's, that's what I live in now. That is where the freedom is. Knowing you're a child of God and building your life on that foundation. So... I'm just going to change tact. I want you to picture your life like a boxing match. Right, bear with me a second. So, your opponent is the enemy, and you're going to face multiple rounds of stress. He's going to throw everything your way to try and knock you out. But you can rest in the knowledge that you have God in your corner. This is the corner. This is what I'm trying to represent over here. <laughs> so you can rest in the knowledge that you have God in your corner. God has given you the strategy to overcome the stress, to face what is in front of you. There are going to be rounds where you're going to be hit by a big blow. You're going to be laying on the ground as the countdown is being counted over you. So 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. And you're thinking, I can't do this. But you catch a glimpse of God stood in your corner, cheering you on, and you get back up, and you keep going. And in the breaks between the rounds, you can rest in the corner. And this is where he gives you three things. So the first one is water. So the water represents refreshment. Jesus offered the woman at the well living water and said that she'll never be thirsty again. So in the breaks between the stress, you need to be refreshed by his presence and his word. The second one is the towel. So this represents the comfort that God gives you. So you're gonna, he's going to wipe away all the tears and all the sweat and everything that you need off your face to face the next round. And then the third one 
is Vaseline. Probably think it was. <laughs> so, um, whenever you watch a boxing match, you always like rub grease on their faces to like heal them. So, the third one is Vaseline, and it represents healing. So, he's going to rub this on your wounds and the wounds you've sustained in the previous stress. He's going to heal you. So, in the breaks between the stress, you need your refreshment, you need your comfort, and you need your Vaseline. And I'm actually just going to take a swig of this because. <laughs> That's better, okay. So the jabs and the punches that you throw whilst you're in the ring, are you not fighting in your own strength? But you're using the word of God like the weapon that it is. So now we get practical. So the three tools I'm gonna to talk about, and they'll begin with P. So the first one is really, really simple. It's prayer. And it's simply having a conversation with God, and yet it's so, so powerful. So a question I want to ask you is, who do you have a conversation with when you're facing stress? Joyce Meyer put it this way, do you go to the phone or do you go to the throne? Like, who do you go to first? Um, do you go to God first or do you go to your spouse, your friends, your work colleagues? Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek godly wisdom, like, of course you should, and seek godly counsel. But do you seek the kingdom first? And I'm going to hold my hands up because I'm really bad at this. <laughs> and at the moment, he is teaching me to consistently seek him first. So whenever I've um, been through anything, like recently, it's been like, no, nope, I'm going to close my mouth. <laughs> I'm not going to go to my phone. And I'm going to pray first and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you first because you can give me the tools. You can, yes, people can give me wisdom, but he, he's eternal. He's like all powerful. So why wouldn't we go to him first? Like, we're lacking and he's not. Um, so First Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him yeah. because he cares for you. Yeah. It says all, not some. Yeah. It says all of your anxieties. So whatever stress you're facing, cast it on him. And he knows everything. So, and he's seen everything. He knows all your thoughts. He knows everything. So you shouldn't be afraid to go to him. Because you can't shock him. Like you, can't, you physically can't do that. Like He already knows. Um, so, obviously, I spoke earlier about when I faced depression. At that time, I had depression, I had anxiety, and then it's, it continued to spiral, and I eventually had a mental breakdown. And through processing everything that happened with me, I had a conversation with a gentleman, and he asked me, a question and he said have you ever gone to God in anger and it's because at that time that initial time that I spoke about I felt so angry at him I was like where have you gone why have you left me he said you'd never leave and like I said about listening to worship music it would just round me up I was like nope and I remember my friend saying he's right next to you you just need to turn your face and I was like nope not doing it and um, so when I got asked this have you ever gone to God in anger I said, no. And the thing that he said in reply impacts the way that I do everything now. And he said, Jesus came for us all and for all of us. So Jesus came for us all and for all of us. So for us all, every single one of us, every single person in this room, he came for you. But also, he came for all of us 
every aspect of your life, all of your emotions, everything, all of you. And that completely changed my perspective on how I talk to God. Um, and I'd really encourage you to go to the Psalms and read them, because King David pours out all of his emotions, and it's a really good example. So after that like, conversation with this guy, I got in my car, and I drove to the hill at the top of where I live, and I had a shouting match in my car. <laughs> and I was like, God, this like, had a right chunner. <laughs> And then at the end of it, I was just like, you didn't go anywhere, did you? And he's like, nope. And it does, it opens up how you talk to him. So cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And he cares about every little area of your life. And I'm going to say this, I don't know people will laugh. I'm a person that prays for car parking spaces <laughs> because it makes me thankful for the little things. Because... When you face a big thing, when it, whatever the stress is, it could be, you could be facing redundancy, or you could be, I don't know, I'm trying to save for a house. So I'm like, how on earth am I going to get a mortgage? And all those big things. So when I pray for car parking spaces, and I get one, and I'm like, yes, God, then it, it's just that constant communication, because it's going to make you thankful for when the bigger things do come through. So the last thing I want to talk to you about, about prayer is be specific and be strategic. So if you pray wishy-washy prayers, how can you know it's been answered? So like if, like if you just cry out to God saying, Lord, help me, of course he's going to help you, but how can you like measure it? How can you see he's definitely done something? So if you're applying for jobs, you'll be like, Lord, please can I get an interview for this job? So then when you get that interview, there you go, prayer answered. So you know... Um, I'm currently reading a book that's about prayer strategies. And what it says is that you need to find scripture about your situation and declare it over yourself in prayer. And by doing that, you're essentially saying to God, you said this in your word. And I'm believing this promise over my situation. So um, a gentleman called James Aladaran from a ministry called Prayer Storm said this, intercession is the enforcement of Jesus' victory. Intercession is just prayer. Um, so you're saying, Jesus has come. He's died on the cross, and he's going to come again. So we're in this, like, in-between phase of these two points in history. But we know he's victorious, so we need to pull that down and say, I'm claiming this piece of victory in my life. Um, so by declaring God's word over your stress, you're believing for a manifestation of Jesus' victory over that situation. So the, second, so the first P is prayer. Second P is praise. So praise is putting Jesus in his rightful place. So you're saying Jesus is higher than whatever stress that you're facing. And declaring that his worth doesn't shift depending on whether you're in a place of stress or joy. And it just proves, like I have got up and pretty much said that before I even got up. So he like, God's already said this. He's saying that you're praising over whatever situation. If you don't believe that God loves you and you're singing that, then you're declaring it over yourself. Um, and worship is a part of praise. And it's not about buttering him up. You're not singing like, God, you're amazing. Can I have this now, please? Like, that's not what it's for. Um, it's about shifting our gaze and perspective. So we as human beings, so my degree is in animal behavior, 
we've got binocular vision, so you're looking straight ahead. Like obviously, other animals have their eyes in various other places, but we look straight ahead. Um, so it means that we focus on whatever we look at. So are you focusing on Jesus, or are you focusing on your stress? Like, where are your eyes? Um, and the thing is, is you can turn your eyes at any time. And Vicky mentioned a song last week, and these are the lyrics. And it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And isn't that so true? That when you look at him, when you behold him and you see who he is, then you have that rest of like, this is my Jesus, this is my saviour, this is my, and he's with me all the time. And you just have to look at him to have that peace of, I can get through this, he's with me. He's the victorious one, it's not about my strength at all. It's all about him. So worship is a response to worth, and his worth remains the same, and that's the reason we can praise in any situation. Um, so you might be thinking, that's all well and good if I get breakthrough, if my stress alleviates, if things all fall into place. But what if they don't? What if you're still facing this stress? What if nothing is changing? Praise him anyway. Because, like I said earlier, worship is a response to worth. And his worth doesn't change. So... Bill Johnson of Bethel Church said this, and this really impacted me. I was watching his sermon a few weeks ago. And he says this in response to when his father died of a curable disease. Um, So he said, take pain, loss, guilt and confusion, disappointment, and put them in the fire of incense to flavor your worship because you cannot bring that offering to him in heaven, because those things don't exist there. Give him the prized offering from your broken life and put it in the fire. Give him honor as the healer, even though you didn't see, even though you didn't see it or have that breakthrough. So see it as an opportunity to give God something you can only bring on earth. So if you're going through pain, if you're going through loss, if you're going through grief, if you're stressed about finances, whatever those negative things are, you can't take that to him in heaven. Like, we're all going to be praising him in heaven, but you can't give him that there. So this is the thing that on earth you can take to him that you can't take to him at any other time. And that completely changed my perspective. Um, So I am determined to respond to him based on his goodness, not based on my experience, good or bad. So you choose to praise him. At that point when I was seriously depressed, I couldn't do anything with myself, I didn't choose to praise him. I choose to go, I'm not listening to you, I'm not looking at you, I'm not doing anything. I made that choice. So when whatever you're facing, you can choose to praise or you can choose to say, Well, God is good, but he's not at the moment. No, the truth is he is good all the time. I'm racing through this. And the third one is proclaim. 
So we're going to sp split this into two sections. The first is words. So what are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about the stress? Are you moaning? Are you complaining? Are you saying, I can't do this? I don't know how things are going to work out. Are the people around you, are you just constantly that person? They're like, oh my gosh, she's going to talk about it again. Like, please, please just stop. Do you know what I mean? See, you're laughing because you know people that all they do is they come and complain and moan. Um, so I want to remind you, God spoke the world into being. He didn't sculpt it with his hands or anything like that. His words were what created. And we're made in his image. So that means that we have creative power in our mouths. And we need to recognize that. So if you're saying, I don't know how this is going to work out, or I'm trying to think of an, another negative thing, it's because I've tried to stop myself from saying these things. Um, so Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So watch your words and use them wisely. Speak life over your situation. So like I said earlier in the prayer section, find scripture about your situation, promises of God, and declare them over your stress. So maybe if you get it, I'm, I'm a post-it person, like I've got post-its everywhere. So get a post-it, write whatever the verses you're speaking over your situation and stick it somewhere you're going to see it every day. So it might be your bathroom mirror where you brush your teeth or it might be your fridge or maybe put it on your phone. Like often I have um, a screenshot of like a screensaver with a Bible verse on it. So whenever I go on my phone, I see it. And then when you catch yourself moaning, or you're speaking negatively, you can speak that verse out. So declare the word of God because it never returns void. Never. So your second thing is your thoughts. Right, I have to put my teeth in for this. What is your thought life like? What is your thought life like? Are you fearfully contemplating the what-ifs of your situation? What if the test results come back bad? What if we get an unexpected bill? What if I don't get into this university? What if I get made redundant? What if? What if? I was a what if person. Or are you on the opposite end of the spectrum? Are you trying to figure out what you can do? Are you reasoning your way through? If I do this, then this will happen, and then I can do that, and you're following this chain of events, like this imaginary chain of events. Like, and then we're going to get here. It's all going to be fine. No. <laughs> Proverbs 3, verse 5 to, six, 5 to 7, sorry, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So it's written plain as day there on the big screen. Do not, do not, instructions, do not, Lean on your own understanding and trust in him and he will make your path straight. Not he might, he will. And trust him so whenever your thoughts don't reflect the truth of what he says about you or your situation, take it captive and give it to Christ. And you might be thinking, what does that mean? So I'll give you an example. I always catch myself thinking things I shouldn't. And I have to go, no, that's not the truth. And even in preparing this message, I thought saying, you aren't ready, you aren't good enough, and you don't have anything valuable to say. So I took those thoughts captive. As soon as they came into my head, I was like, no. So I stopped and said, I said this out loud, 
I was alone. But I often do this in my head as well. <laughs> I said, God has given me this opportunity, and I have the Holy Spirit within me. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And then I carried on with my day. But it's not just the one-time thing that this happens. They'll come. Like, I, this morning, like, you're not ready? Hang on. No, I am. Like, he's given me the power. So it's a continual process. You have to continue to, we have to continually remind ourselves of the truth and fill, fill our minds and our mouths with God's word. Because like I said, because stress isn't just a one-time thing, that we have to continue to use the tools he's given us to continue in the freedom. So, worship team, I'm ready for you. I don't know if I'm early, but thanks. <laughs> so to recap, there are three Ps. The first one is pray. So go to God first and cast all your cares on him, all of them. The second is praise, to so put Jesus in his rightful place and worship him based on his goodness and not on your experience. And the third one is proclaim. Use your words wisely, declare his word over your life and take every thought captive. And use these tools to move from stress to freedom and continue to use them to remain in freedom. So the verse I want to speak over you today is Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that's what you need to hold on to. And I have this verse stuck on my mirror. So every day I see that and I have to say, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's reminding yourself of that, like he is with you. So use those things, pray, praise, and proclaim to remind yourself. And I just want to pray about what I said earlier about the head knowledge to the heart just before we worship. Um, because I know how much it's impacted my life. And if you haven't, if you've had that moment, I want you to have a refreshing of it again. And if you haven't, then I'm going to ask the Lord to do it now. Because it is such a life-changing moment. So I don't know if you guys want to stand, get ready for worship. Thank you. <laughs> Josh just kicks in at the right moment. <laughs> okay. So Lord God, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us. And I just pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, that the head knowledge of your love falls into the hearts of the people in this place. Of every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're listening right now or on the podcast, God, I pray that your love just overwhelms them in this moment and that they know who they are. And with that, they can walk out of the stress and into the freedom and continue to walk with you. Amen.